Hallelujah. Can I shake your hand? Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. I've been a part of Andrew's ministry for about 17 years, I think, somewhere in there. I'm really lousy with years. And uh, so when I hit 120, I'm probably going to think I'm only 100. But uh, um, it'll work out. So I just want to thank you, and it's been a real joy. Real joy to be here. And and, uh, uh, I'm usually over in the Philippines in January, so I haven't made it to a men's conference for a lot of years. But uh, my daughter's going to have a little baby in about a week, so I stayed home, praise God. And uh, uh, we're thrilled with that. So my friend Lance uh, put together a little picture, if you guys can put it up. Uh, last night after the meeting, uh, Andrew's message was so powerful. It says, let not your heart be troubled. There are a lot of reasons, but no excuses for giving up. And if you look at that mailbox, it's been shot, wired. You know, it's a real mailbox, by the way. And, and you can't read it, but it says there, uh, approved by the U.S. Postmaster Master General. Isn't that awesome? We all got reasons to give up, but no excuses. And I thought Andrew's message is so powerful, I want to kind of piggyback on it. So, you know, as we look at that picture, I just uh, saw that a girl was pulled out of Haiti, uh, out of the rubble, 16 days. You know, there are people right now begging for an opportunity that you have right here. They're begging for an opportunity to have a shot at life. And, uh, you, you know, it's not only just, it is good, isn't it? What we got is absolutely awesome. No matter what we're going through right now, we are the children of God. And I'm just, I'm going to try to, I didn't take my riddling this morning, so I'm going to try to shotgun through this thing, okay? <laughs> All right. So I want to just, uh, you can pull that off. I want to just uh, mention a few things that Andrew said and, and take off from that. Uh, raising the bar. I like that. I like to be challenged. Uh, I have been accused, too, of... Uh, I've had people leave my church because they said, I'm just tired of you telling me to get over it. <laughs> and I don't even say that. They just think I do. But, uh, uh, you know, I like having the bar raised. Praise God. Uh, you know, what if we believe? I, I find it hard for men sometimes to say things. Just to say it. Say, I love you, Jesus. Sometimes that's, that's just like... Impossible for some men. And there's so many things that, uh, that is tough. But you say, well, what if I say it and it doesn't come to pass? Well, go be a politician. <laughs> Jamie, I mean, come on. You know, uh, what, if I, what if I declare I'm going to live and I die? Apologize to us when we get to heaven. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with just going for it? Amen. I mean, and uh, what if your kid came up and said, you know, I don't think I'll play ball because I might fail. What would you say to him? <laughs> said, you will fail, but you have a lot of fun. You know, you've already won. You know, I was praying a prayer in my bed the other day that I don't pray anymore. And I, I, sometimes I can't figure out what's going on. But I was saying, oh, Lord, forgive me for yesterday, uh, for this or that. And I don't do that anymore because my sins are all forgiven. And I believe it. But I, and it just came out of my mouth and my bed. And I go, and I heard the voice of the Lord say, done. 
And I tell you, that word, done, has been just going off in me, man. Oh, Lord, can you heal me? Done. You know, not a big debate, not a lot of words, not a lot of, you know, no. It's all, hey, can we go on with it? I can just hear Jesus saying, can, can we go on? Can I get a group of men that will just go with me and believe that it's all done? Hallelujah. Anyway, whatever you give significance to, you empower back into your life. I'm just going to mention that, but I'll tell you what, if, if somebody criticizes you and you give it significance, it's going to hurt you, take your breath away. It's going to cause you to, you know, boy, if I paid attention to everybody, that, you know, all the criticism that were given to me, I'd never stand up behind a pulpit. You know, but if I don't, if I don't give a rip about what somebody says, it doesn't touch me. Now think about that. Everything that you think is taking you out, it only has power for one reason. You gave it significance. And all you got to do is quit giving it significance. I talk to teenagers all the time. They always say, I'm afraid my friends are going to get me back into drinking. I said, then it's a real simple solution. Quit calling them friends. Because you're the one giving them the power, you know. Glory to God. So give me some words. Say, give me some words. You know, that word means, that word is logos. And uh, as Andrew was ministering yesterday, I, I loved it. You know, he talked about logic. It's not logical. You know, I believe the word logos really is the word logic. God's logic. God's way of looking at things. And if we have God's logic, um, we look at things different. You know, Andrew said, if we're alive, you know, if you're alive... Or you're dead, there should be significant difference. Okay? And I know a lot of you are businessmen. I, want, I did not want to be in the ministry. I was upset in a way. I was obedient, but I just said, God, why do you put me in the ministry? There's so many guys want to be in the ministry. I want to be a businessman that's on fire for God. And, uh, but he said, no, uh, this is where I want you. But I look at it, and sometimes I think business people, you know, I remember sitting in church in my Quaker little church, and the preacher would preach a great sermon, and then I'd say, now what do we do? Because as soon as we left the service, everybody talked about sheep, cattle, and weather. And it's like we just left it right there in that room. And I want to just tell you, if you're wondering what God's asked you to do to be a man of God, I'm going to share some things with you today that if you take it to heart and really do it, it will set you apart. Okay? All right. Proverbs 18, 21, we know, says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. He who loves it will eat its fruit. James 3, 8 talks about no man can tame the tongue. But it says we guide ships, you know, and, and horses with the bridles. Hallelujah. James also says, you know, with this tongue we curse men. We bless the Lord our Father, and then we curse men who are made in His likeness. And James says, this ought not be. You know, it ought not be that fresh water and salt water come out of the same spigot. It ought not be. But you know, isn't it amazing that it is? Both cursings and blessings come out of your mouth and my mouth. But it ought not be. Raise the bar. Mark 11, 23. Truly I say unto you, he who believes in his heart, man, believes in his heart, that what, what, that what he says 
You know, I, I, isn't it amazing how people can read Scripture and never read it? I love what Andrew said. You know, a lot of people can read the Bible and never, ever let it affect their belief. You know? They've just got a talent and ability to sit there and have a belief about something, read the Bible, never let it change their, uh, their viewpoint of things. That He said, man, Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be thou taken up and cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, do not doubt in your heart, do not doubt in your heart. Didn't say doubt in your heart that God is God. Didn't say doubt in your heart that, uh, that Jesus could do it. It said, if you don't doubt in your heart that what you say will come to pass, then it will be granted unto you. How much power is in this room today in our mouths? Raise the bar. You know, I have a friend that's in the penitentiary now, dear friend, close friend. And one of the revelations, I love him dearly. He's like, he's really close to me. But he, uh, he's going to be there for six years altogether. He's growing and, and uh, he's been in my church for about 10 years. You can be saved, spirit-filled, and go to jail. And he just said, you know, I'm finally realizing that the grace of God that made me perfect in his sight, totally forgave me, totally made me righteous, doesn't make me right with all the people that I've affected. You know, and you can say, duh. But there's a lot of people that think that way. Husbands that say, well, God's forgiven me, honey, why can't you? But there is a grace, a God-given power, wisdom, ability that comes into your life that empowers you to straighten out things on this earth and to be an answer. You know, I pastored for, I, I don't know, I, I think I started in 1983, officially. Um, so whatever that is. What's that, 27 years? And, yeah. Who cares about math, huh? But... Most of my staff has been with me for, for over 20 years. I've got a staff of about 10 people. I've got way too much staff for church. But then we don't just minister to church. We minister to the whole world. And what we have is rather unusual. For my wife has started. I'll, I'll, probably, I'll, I'll probably die in the pulpit there, Sturgis. Um. But people say, you know, I mean, I was just talking to a Presbyterian pastor in town the other day, and I said, you know, what we do have here is a little unusual. And he rolled his eyes back. Oh, my God. He said, nobody stays that long, and nobody has staff that stays that long. And you know what? what's really amazing? We like each other. <laughs> we actually love each other. My associate was going to be here, and his dad passed away on Sunday, so he couldn't come. Was it easy did we just don't have any problems? No, we've. I'm a fiery guy. I'm hard to live with. But I'm telling you, the grace of God inside of you can empower you in relationships and raise the bar. And I like what Andrew said. You can do it. You can do it. So, Galatians 6, if you don't want to turn there, we're going to take a little bit more time to look at that. My grandfather, I've shared this before, my grandfather's last sermon, he was a pastor for 40-some years. His last sermon, was a, he was 100 years old, and this was his text. 
Galatians 6. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, And let the one who has taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. For the one who sows to his spirit shall from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, say due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, now look, look at this, so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. He's tying this sowing into your own life as, with this thought of doing good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. I like blessing the people of the household of faith. They're my family. I love reaching out to the whole world. They're my family. And so while we have opportunity, let us do good and let us sow. My son uh, uh, was in soccer. I was in soccer. They had a men's league and I was still playing outdoor soccer this time about 10 years ago. And... uh, there was a, a, you know, a field here and a field here. My son was playing on this field, and he was just in high school, but he's playing this adult league guys. And these adult league guys are, are ex-soccer players that are still playing. The problem is they're not as good as they were, and, and, and some of them you know, got to drinking, and some of them just got mean because they couldn't play good, and they really hated to be beat by the high school kids. And my, my son's team was a state championship team. I love watching my son play. I went down, and, and when he got into college, he went down to Texas, and I didn't have any money, and I flew my wife and I down there just to watch him play. I'll never forget that. So I went to the door of the hotel. It was a real nice hotel, and I grabbed it, and I just I went almost in tears, Andrew. I just said, God, I'm so sorry. I really didn't have the money to come down here. I said, I really overspent, but I just love watching my son play. And I heard, this, I heard Jesus say, or I heard the Father say, I know what you mean. He overpaid to watch us play. And so I, was, you know, so I had just come off the field to sub and off, and uh, my brother and I, uh, and uh, I just came off, and I looked over in that other, uh, uh, other field, and there's my son taking this guy down. And, uh, and I just, I yelled. You know, E.F. Hutton, remember that commercial? I just turned around and, and, and yelled. I said, don't lower yourself to their standard. The whole place went quiet. I can, I can yell. And I said, what you sow, you reap. Well, what had happened is this guy had taken down my son's friend and didn't get caught for it. And is this something about my son? He it's good to have your, my son on your side because <laughs> if you're his friend and I talked to him uh, just the other day and he said, I actually took him down three times. <laughs> See, what you sow multiplies. 
But what happened when I turned around, he took him down, and the guy grabbed his shirt and ripped it all but off of him. It was just hanging. He was just... And that's when I saw it, and that's when I yelled. And my brother was in this incredible sense of humor. Leans over and says, I think it's what you rip your soul. <laughs> and that just diffused me, you know. I just, and then I started being noticed, everybody was, you know, looking at me. Anyway. So the title of my message is, What You Rip You Sow. Let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter. Power of the tongue. Romans 12, and we're going to begin with the 17th verse. Never. Anybody want to say that word with me? Never. Anybody know what that word means? Never. I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? Yeah. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. I love what Andrew is saying. Is that possible? Can, can anybody live that way? You want an extraordinary life? You're going to have to do extraordinary things. Never pay back evil for evil. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Impossible so far as it depends on you. Boy, yeah. I'm glad that's written. I got people that absolutely love me, adore me. My church just, I mean, after all these years, I can have a big speaker come in, they won't show up. Because I'm not there. They love me. I mean, how can you put up with a guy preaching for 27 years and I've got people that written, wrote me a letter, one of the ladies in our town, in a wheelchair, wrote me a letter and said, you're the worst pastor in the world. You know nothing about love. I wanted to keep that letter. I like that letter. I say, why would you like it? My secretary says, I hate that letter, I'm going to burn it. I think she burned it because I can't find it. Because it says in the verse before this, do not be wise in your own estimation. You know, as much as we love people, we are not out to please people. We only got one person. I only got one person I'm preaching for today. And it's not Andrew. He's next, but if I make my Lord Jesus happy, I'm happy. You know, when somebody says, John, you're the worst pastor in the world, I said, praise God. Isn't that awesome? Because I've died. And it's no longer I who live. And he's covered me on everything. And by the way, if I messed you up and I hurt you, and I know I have hurt people, 
My God is so awesome, he'll heal you. So why should I care that? But as far as it is on my part to be as if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved. But let the room for the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you'll heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Hallelujah. Don't be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Golly, we got a good... We know what to do. We know what to do. And if we'll do it, we will shine for the glory of God. So I want to talk about this never returning evil for evil and the power of the tongue. And I want to just talk to you. How do you uh, what do you say when you're in your vehicle? If you, if you had a recorder in your car, what kind of things might be left on that recording? And I ride with a lot of ministers. And one of the kind of common things with ministers is they really like to rip other drivers. I mean, it's, some of them, it's almost nonstop. One of my associate pastors at one time had been an Irish policeman and then an Australian custom agent. And, and, uh, you know, and that guy just, the moment we got in the car, he was ripping. He's a dear friend. I love him dearly. It was like, how stupid can you be? What did you see the like? You're going to stay here forever. Get out of my way. What did it say? Never. Yeah, but they pulled right in front of me. <laughs> Idiots. What did it say? Never. What you sow, you will reap. And what you rip, you will sow. And when you rip something, it needs to be sown. And when you rip somebody's heart, It's ripped. It has to be sown. How many of you have rips in your heart that were given to you as a child that are still a big battle for you? You know how many people I've talked to that uh, if you ask them, come up there and sing, they would never sing. Why? Because somewhere some teacher told them they couldn't do it. My my father-in-law, bless his heart. He, he won't sing in front of anybody, you know. And, and he said, yeah, when I went to first grade, he said, I, I wanted to sing. And he said, I was there singing. And the teacher came up and said, Bob, yeah, waiting for some word of encouragement. He said, some people can't carry a tune in a bucket. You couldn't carry it in a tub. And I thought, I, I just know people with so many heart issues because of what people said to them. And no matter if a hundred people said something different, that one ripped. And unless God heals it, it will affect the rest of their life. And most all of you, or all of us, are fighting what we figured out in, in our childhood and we haven't got over it yet. And yet, with these mouths, 
We bless the Lord and curse men who are made in the image of God. Thinking, no big deal. I'm in my car. They can't hear me. One of my guys in my church, you know, uh, I've been ministering on this, and he said, came to an intersection, and, and he, everybody's kind of hesitating, and he finally went, and this other girl had started going, so she talked to him, you know, and, and he's one that has reacted to people on, on the road. So he was really working on that. He said, I, I was working on this. He said, I, I became real aware of how much I'd been ripping on people in the vehicle. So I said, I was working on it. I came to that intersection, and he said, I saw what she said, and I'm not even going to mouth it because you could see what I'd say. And he said, rather than getting mad, he says, I looked right at her, and I just start laughing. And he said, by me laughing, she looked right back at me and thought, oh, my gosh, he knew what I said. <laughs> and in this little moment right here in his intersection, she starts laughing because she knows she got caught saying what, you know. And it's like, oh, and he said, by the time they left, they both had a good little moment <laughs> rather than the other way because he laughed rather than say something back and what my point is even if they don't hear you it's what Andrew said about that horse getting away I raised sheep and we had bucks that Suffolk bucks are yeah, somebody raised something bucks. They just should be shot. <laughs> I don't know anything good about them except the, the kids that they make. Maybe we had about 35 of them, and they're big, and I was a little guy about that size right there, and uh, we put them in this pen, and, and I was trying to latch it, and uh, all of a sudden, one turned around and saw that the gate was getting open, and my dad saw him coming at me, and he said, Just let it go, John! Get out of the way! Because he knew all 35 were going to be coming. And, and, uh, but I said, no. <laughs> I may be small, but I'm fast. And boy, I just, bam, slammed that thing and got hooked and jumped up and wham, that thing hit that thing. And we saved all of them because we would have been another hour trying to get them back in. And just like a horse, you, you know, when you let it go, you can't shut it down. And I'm telling you, the moment you let your mouth rip off, it's going to bring a flood that you can't stop. And I used a vehicle because most of us relate there. But what about at work? With employees, with employers? What about watching a football game? You ever rip the players? You say, oh, come on, you're taking all our fun away, John. Just wanted to raise the bar. Because we don't stay alert sometimes on what's happening to us. And we take this power that God's given us in our hearts to speak out whatever we want to. And we want to speak out healing. We want to speak out prosperity. But we've been speaking out curses. We don't think it counts. But, you know, if you don't think it counts when you're talking to the TV, your car, the neighbor, or your boss, or whatever else, then you probably really don't believe it counts when you speak to the mountain. It could be revealing just how much you believe or what you say is going to come to pass. And God said to me one time, I was driving down the road, and he was talking to me about this years ago, and he said, you know, everything you say will come to pass. He said, you know, 
So be careful what you say. I said, Lord, this is going to really shut down a lot of my conversation. (laughs) And it should. What about what you say to your wife and family? Have you ever felt like you had a right to rip because of what she said? I don't know too many men that haven't fought this. In all the years of marriage counseling and everything, one of the things I I find is husbands and wives will do it. Buddies will get together and do it, and they'll start ripping on each other. And I know it's fun. It's almost like you're going to take all our fun away. Walk in and say, hey, ugly. Hey, stupid. I mean, there's people, that's how they greet each other. And I like to do it. But you know something I found out? It's not wise to do that. It's not logical to do that, in God's view. Well, she said, well, he said, you know, if one of them would just stop the reaction, there is hope to restore. And thank God that there is a God that heals the rips. And I pray for my wife, for her healing of the things that I've said that have hurt her. But I also know that things that she has said have hurt me. Nobody can cut me deeper than my wife. And men are that way. It doesn't really matter what the rest of you think. It's what my wife says about the sermon. So therefore, most men don't ever ask their wife what what they think of the sermon. Because they don't want to hear. I could tell you a story about that, but I won't. <laughs> but I made a national speaker madder and hops at me. Because in his presence, in his wife's preference, I said, who, who, whose opinion counts more than anybody else's? And he pointed to his wife, and this quiet little woman of 60-some years of age jumped off, off her chair in my house and screamed and yelled. And said, you have never, ever listened to me. You never asked me about it. He's an orphan that went to a multimillionaire on Oral Roberts' board. And finally, when I got her calmed down, I said, the reason he's never asked you is because you intimidate him more than any person on the earth. And she could not believe it and had every reason not to believe it. But that's not what I want to talk to you about. You know, it may look, when Andrew's talking about it, raising the standard, it may look like God is holding up this list. A high standard. Never return evil for evil. Always believe. And once all you can say, my God, I'll never be able to do that. But God is not really holding up a list or a standard for you to meet and measure up to. What He's really doing is He's holding up a mirror reflecting to you who you really are. This is not something you do so you can win God's favor or you can be be righteous. This is, you study this so that you find out who you already are. 
You're not trying to be. There's nothing more agonizing in life than trying to become. People say, I want to become like Jesus. I'm telling you, that's some of the, that's, that's horrible. It's what you already are. Well, I sure don't look like it. Well, because you have a reality. Your viewpoint has placed inside your mind and your heart a reality of who you are, what you call real. That's just the way I am. But God has a reality from where He sees it. You know, I play racquetball, and uh, there's not too many guys my age playing anymore, so i got to play these young guys, which I love. They're 20 and they're 30s, and... And they think they're going to beat the old man. And, and they are. <laughs> but they're still working at it. But inside that court, there's a reality of my opponent. And, and he spins off the back wall. And he's got the ball where he wants it. He puts it down low. And he swings with all his might. And his, and his reality, his viewpoint, what he's seeing, what he's experiencing, is he's making one wonderful kill shot. You got what I'm saying? But farther up in the court, there's me. And my reality. And my reality is, I'm looking at a ball coming at me about a 90 miles an hour. Because he didn't see me. Both are real. One is making a great shot, and one is saying, Oh, this is going to (laughs) hurt. And you can say, My reality is I'm in trouble. And God is saying, I have delivered you. If you and I can exchange realities with God, our whole world changes. Everything changes. How long does it take? A split second. If you can see that instead of saying, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I could never. No, you can never tame your tongue. The Bible says that. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what you can change is the abundance in your heart. But you've got to work at it. You've got to start feeding it. What you sow, you will reap. And you have a garden. And that garden is your heart. And you're going to eat the fruit of that heart. And yet I find it so amazing sometimes how little time people will give towards sowing into their heart. It's not enough to stop ripping. There's a lot of benefits for for not ripping. But what's more important is not just, it's like Andrew's saying, take it off, but you've got to put it on. You've got to put on this new man. You've got to start using this tongue in the right way. Why should you trust your assessment of the situation anyway? You see from only a few years of life. You see from a very small vantage point. We all trust our logic for some reason. Why would we ever do that when there's a God that sees it all, been there all this time, and He says, you know, trust me, it's going to be okay. And you go, how can I do that? 
Well, how can you not? Even the things you thought you were dead right on, you found out you're wrong. Haven't you? Isn't it logical just to make sense to trust him? And he says, let not your heart be troubled. He wasn't just raising a high standard to, to, that you can't meet. He's just saying, there's a reason I'm saying this. It's going to be okay. Well, what if I die? Hallelujah. It's going to be okay. Well, what if I don't die? <laughs> It'll be okay. Where are you going to be 100, 500 years from now? Instead of looking at this, just this little moment that you got here, your perspective is, oh my gosh, I, I got bills and, and look at all the economy and all that or whatever it is, my sickness, and just say, take that little viewpoint of yours and just expand the wide angle out there and say, hmm, 500 years from now, is this going to make much difference? Well, my kids, my baby's dying in 500 years. Everybody that died in the Holocaust would have died anyway. Am I making light of it? No, man, fight for life. But, in, but look at a bigger viewpoint. In 500 years, is this going to be a crisis? No. So let not your heart be troubled. And believe. And then see God's reality. And then understand that you have dominion of your heart to speak what you want to see happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What you rip, you sow, but what you sow, you reap. If you're going to sow gossip, backbiting, criticizing, fault-finding, judging, anger, being upset, being disappointed. Have you ever told your wife... Don't ever do that because, you know, every time you do that, you just fire me up. And, and, you know, and they're just, don't do that. Anybody said anything close to that? Uh, Never. Never. Good. (laughs) You know what I found? There were certain things that my wife did that just bothered me. Small things. Every time, I hope she doesn't listen to this. We have this little rack that we put our ropes. You know, we got about three little hooks there, and she puts her nightgowns and a rope on there. I got one rope. Well, I got one rope. Okay. She's got several. No matter what rat thing I put it on, she puts hers over mine. And I get up a lot in the night. And every time I got a, where's my rope? Why did she put there's a I don't know, I'm just trying to use something for an example. I'm just making it up. So <laughs> You know what I found? You ever had those things that just irritate you and all you gotta do is quit giving significance to it and you're free. Every time I, so I do, every time I pull hers off, I says, isn't this funny? She just likes to be close to me all the time. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you, you control your emotions, and all of a sudden your emotions are a blessing. 
What you rip, you sowed. Does it make sense to you? Open season on deer, open season on... Can I ask you why you think you have an open season to rip yourself? Well, the things I've said so far, most of you remember them sometimes. Most of you are going to know it when you step in your car today. You're going to say, you're going to be aware of it, just because we had this little time together. But can I tell you the one area where we slip it, we let it go by, we don't even notice it, is we think we have a right responsibility to rip ourselves. I don't have any patience. I hear that all the time. I used to say that to God. I said, why did you make me a pastor? I don't have any patience. You know what he finally said? Francis, my God, bless you. Hallelujah. didn't know you are here. Man, that really blew my mind right there. Isn't it? You think you got a right to rip yourself? And I said, I don't have any patience. And the Lord finally said, I kept praying for patience. You ever pray for patience? Never. Pray for patience. Do you know why? Because you got it. If Andrew asked me for my Bible, and I gave it to him, and then he said, John, would you give me your Bible? And he kept saying, John, would you give me my Bible? You know what I'd want to do? I like slapping. I, I, won't, I won't slap Andrew. I might slap you, Greg. <laughs> and sometimes we're going to God, oh God, oh God, oh God, please, oh God, please, oh God, please. And it's like, if I was God, I'd probably slap. Because you already got it. And I said, God, if I got it, how come it's not working so good? He says, because it becomes effective when you acknowledge it. Finally, when six. Start using your mouth to sow into your own heart and tell yourself, I've got it. I'm a man of patience. You know, we sometimes just fail because when we get with our friends and we get with our boys, we have these old habits of ripping and, and making fun and, and cutting ourselves down. And, you know, and so, you know what I'm talking about? Certain people, that just, just when you get with them, it just flows. And I'm telling you, you've got to deliberately make a choice to quit doing that and just say, I'm not doing that no more. And it's like your friends will actually notice that something's different when they start going into that, that what we call dark humor, and you're not anymore. And your silence will speak volumes. But don't let it stop there. The Lord said to me once, speak the obvious. We don't speak the obvious enough. We don't speak... We have this incredible ability to say kind things like, Wayne, I absolutely enjoy you. We've had just a little time together, but I'm telling you, every time I look into your eyes, every time I see your smile, I just say, gosh, I like that guy. And that's the truth. But you know, I could go my whole life and never say it. Because I don't want to be weird guy. I don't want to be Abby normal. This is normal. 
One of my guys is a contractor, and uh, uh, there's a man that he knows. His, his wife committed adultery on him with another member in the church. And uh, he saw this guy, and he uh, was selling guns just to get busy. It hurts when your heart's ripped. And there they are in this store with guns and men and guns. And my man, and my, the guy I'm talking about, my friend Cliff, he's, he's got, he loves guns. He's, one of the, he's an awesome shot. And people know that, so they respect that. He walks up to this guy and he's, he starts sharing about, you know, he's hurting and and they, they get in this, you know, he finds out what's going on. And he said, I went to walk away. And he said, I just couldn't do it. I came back and he says, called him by name and says, I love you. And here's this guy selling guns with tears starting to come down his face. I guess what I'm saying that is for this is that we can make all kinds of excuses and say this is not a good time, this is not a right time. And I don't, you know, we as men can really do that, can't we? To where we almost never say what we really need to say. And sometimes because it's so abby normal, or we don't bless even the household, the people that were really close to us, including our wives. Our words are powerful. I see men all over the world trying to figure out how they can be a godly man. What they can do. And I'm telling you, right here, you can start right here what I've just shared with you and just start being a person that says, I'm just going to step across the line and take the risk of exposing myself. And I'm going to start speaking out of my heart words Good words into the people I'm with. You know, I saw this young man. That's why I wanted to shake your hand. Because you're awesome. I looked over there from over there and I saw you and I just said, Oh my God. I saw myself years ago. I was your age when God started speaking to me about his plans and purposes. And God's speaking to you about his plans and purposes. Huge things are taking place inside you. And you might walk a little bit different than all your friends, but I'm telling you, on this side, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. First Corinthians 16, last scripture for you. If you want to know what to sow, you ever heard the word, so what? Well, I'm going to put it to you this, you know, like a question. So what? S-O-W, what? What should you sow into your heart? Well, there's just so many good scriptures, so many things to say. 
But 1 Corinthians 16, I think it would be a great one. I want to just sow into you in closing. Be on the alert. Wake up. Get in your vehicle today and be alert. Pay attention to what you're saying. Start blessing that car that just cut in front of you. Amen? Boy, they just come from me and they must be in a hurry. Lord, I bless them. Keep them safe because they're driving crazy. Amen. Angels, I commission you to go, man, and, and keep them. You know, because I've, I've seen cars fly by on an icy road and my friend said, boy, they're going to be in the ditch in a little bit. We drove a little bit. There they were in the ditch. He said, see, I told you. I said, did you tell me or did you put them there? What do you mean, Pastor? I said, your words are powerful. Start being alert that your words are powerful. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. We can do it. Hallelujah. Be strong. you got to get a picture of what that means. I love to get up in the morning and say, I am strong. I solve problems. There's going to be problems today. Bring them on. I, I got home one day from a church service, and the phone started ringing. And uh, I finally got off the phone. It was like, you know, it's like just pam, pam, pam. And my wife was nursing our youngest child over in a chair, and I just finally I looked over to her and I said, do I have a bullseye on my back? And my wife, just bless her heart, said Holy Ghost words to me. She whispered Holy Ghost words that have stuck with me for years. And she took her, her son and she leaned over like she was starting to stare and she goes, No, it says take your best shot. Man, and I get weary or something, I'll go back and I'll hear her say, take your best shot. I'll change your attitude. Be strong. Hallelujah. Let all that you do be done in love. It's all about love. Let it all be done in love. Father, I thank you for these men. And I speak these words that they're going to be alert. They're going to stand firm in the faith. They're going to be strong. They're going to act like men. And they are going to take that God-given power of the tongue and the heart working together in full harmony with you and all your grace and all your power. And they are going to go out into this world and they're going to sow, sow, sow. And they're going to consider it normal to be a man that loves and a man that's willing to speak words of love, power into their own life and into the lives of those around me, around them. And God, you will be glorified and the people will be blessed. Amen. Amen. Thank you.